Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 35. And today we're going to talk all about why beating yourself up is not helpful. Not helpful, people. Okay. Shame is a terrible weight loss strategy. That's what I've titled this podcast episode. And I think this is maybe one of the most pivotal concepts that you all need to understand and what all of our clients need to understand when we're working with them in our best weight program. And this is where we have to do the work is moving away from the idea that beating ourselves up is effective in any sort of behavior change because it absolutely isn't. So I'm going to be talking about that. But before I get into that, I just wanted to read a recent review. This is from Legal Slimmer. If you are looking for practical tips for managing your mindset on your weight loss journey, then this podcast is for you. Dr. High's experience as a specialist physician in obesity medicine and a life coach is a rare and winning combination. If you're through with diet culture, but wish to improve your health by managing your weight, you will find this podcast to be a great resource. Thank you so much, Legal Slimmer. I really just, I appreciate you all listening to the podcast. We're at almost 5,000 downloads. I appreciate the review. It really helps us to reach more women. We all need to stop other women from dieting, right? (laughs) We need to move towards wellness and loving ourselves. So share this, please. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to tell you a story that has had me start thinking about this. I was at the park with my kids a few nights ago and there was another family there, husband and wife, and they had two kind of early teenage kids and the wife was playing with the teenage son and this probably 12 year old daughter was with the father and the whole time the dad is on the phone and he's having some maybe business conversation. I had no idea. I was just kind of observing the whole thing. And his daughter is just desperate for his attention. Like dad, dad, like dad, play with me, get off the phone, dad. And I could just see that the wife was noticing this and just getting more and more irritated and angry. And she just, at one point, just lost it, comes over to her husband and starts berating him. Like I was actually quite shocked with the language that was used. And she leaves with the teenage son and and the husband is left there. He's now gotten off of his phone with his daughter. And I understood what the wife wanted because I get it. Like I would be pretty irked too if my husband was ignoring our kids, right? I, I totally understand. But what I observed was just how, as he stayed there with his daughter, he, he just wallowed there in so much shame. I imagine shame. I imagine guilt. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of imagining the emotions he might've been feeling or just beaten down. And I watched him with his head kind of hung low And the key was this, he was not engaging with his daughter at all because he wasn't even there. He was not present anymore. He was up in his head, probably thinking about, you know, all the terrible things that were said to him, probably internalizing a lot of that as well. I'm speculating, right? But that was my observation. And in that moment, I I remember watching this encounter and just thinking, I get what the wife was trying to do. She just wanted him to engage with his, his daughter, right? I get that. But the shaming approach accomplished the exact opposite of what she was hoping for. And I'm not saying this in any form of judgment. 
we've we've probably all been in a position like this at some point, right? I certainly can identify with both both sides of this equation. But what it made me think about is how so many of us do that to ourselves. So many of us berate ourselves to try to change our behavior, to try to be better, to do better, to improve our habits, whether that's with regard to weight loss or fitness or could be anything, right? It can put insert, insert behavior or habit here. And we think that beating ourselves up is somehow going to get us to motivate us to change. And the exact opposite happens because shame and feeling blame just further draws you away from the person that you want to be. And that was just so evident in this like depiction of what I saw at the park. And many of you have experienced this with previous weight loss attempts, right? So I hear from so many of my clients that they used to go to programs where there were these public weigh-ins in front of a group of people and everyone takes their turn to stand on the scale and the number is, you know, apparent to everyone. And if you lost weight, there's cheering. And if you didn't wait, lose weight, well, there's some chastising there as well, right? A lot of people have told me how they've been chastised by their doctor or a nurse at some program. If they didn't lose weight, like you're not trying hard enough. People have told me that they've been kicked out of programs because they didn't meet their weight loss targets or they didn't get their, you know, they didn't get some discount because they didn't lose weight. Like there's a lot of this that has happened in this field, which is also why I'm so passionate about the work that we do and like being so anti-diet and anti-shame and really speaking the self-compassion, self-love message to our, our women. And the thing is that shame might motivate maybe a little bit in the short term, right? So maybe you feel shame. You're like, I better get my act together. But here's the thing. It feels awful. It feels like you're being punished. There's no enjoyment in it. And if there's no enjoyment in it, it is certainly not a long-term strategy, right? At some point, you're going to be like, peace out. I'm done with this. Like, this does not feel good. This is not fun. Why am I doing this? This is not fun, right? And we, so that's where we really have to realize that that approach just is not effective. And I know some of you are like, oh no, it works for me. Cause I actually spoke to a gentleman once when we used to take on male clients a while back. And he was like, no, 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 like that, that really works for me. Like I'm really hard on myself. It's gotten me really far in my business. Respectfully, I think that it can get you to somewhere, but I do believe that it will hold people back from getting to the fullest version of where they need to be. And the reason I think I can say this is because I've been studying successful people and I've shared this on the podcast before. I'm super fascinated by people who have a really big impact in the world, who are out there doing things where they have to put put themselves on the stake and they're open to criticism and they're really just having an impact in the world around us. And that can be in many different fields. I really like business. And I study kind of the things that they work on in their own personal development. And so much of it is about learning to manage the mind, that inner critic that we all have. I've heard people say that they name that inner critic. They're like, oh yeah, that Jane, when she comes up and talks to me, I'm sorry, I'm just making up (laughs) names. I'll just call her Sasha. Yeah, that, that mean Sasha, when she comes and talks to me and they learn to talk back to that inner critic. And I see this so commonly that what makes people ultra successful in many different fields is the ability to start recognizing that inner critic and move beyond that strategy. Because I think that will get you a certain, like you will get far in life despite that, but not because of. And in wellness and weight management, for certain, we need to move towards 
hey, I'm doing this because I love myself and because I'm worthy and I'm worth taking care of in the best way possible with whatever that looks like. And not because I hate myself or I think I'm not worthy. That is not going to work because it demotivates, it discourages. And those are like the key emotions. When I ask people like, what do you think you need? They're like, I need motivation. Well, you know what doesn't come with motivation? Shaming yourself. Like that doesn't, those two don't go together. So (laughs) let's move away from that. There is a Bible verse that says that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And I think about that sort of a nice comparison because, you know, it's not, you know, a lot of people who had certain experience with religion will think of God as like an angry God. And like that really moves them away from religion. Like he's angry. And so you better shape up kind of, kind of thing. But the Bible really says like, it's his kindness that draws us, that leads us to repentance. And what I mean when I share that, just to give you yeah, just to give you another way of looking at it is that like love compels us. The idea of loving ourselves or, you know, if you want to use the religious example, like God loving us and he compels us is like what it sounds like in your head is like, come on, you know what? You can totally do better than this. You are made for more. You have got this. I believe in you. You can keep going. Let's do this. Right. That's what love sounds like. You know what guilt and shame sound like? They sound like this. What the heck is wrong with you? How could you let yourself get like this? Why can't you get it together? That's what that sounds like. And I know for a lot of you, I hear that that's what your head sounds like a lot of the time. And so I want to offer that we can start learning to manage that mind of ours. And just because those thoughts come in doesn't mean we we let those thoughts rule us. We can kind of learn to become an observer and a watcher of our thoughts and notice when our brain is offering this really unhelpful narrative up there and a really unhelpful story and start taking captive those thoughts and reframing them. Here is the thing. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. I don't know where I learned that multiple sources, so I can't give you a quote for it, but the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions you ask yourself. So think about this in the context of wanting to manage your weight or, you know, improve your health behaviors. Okay. When you're asking your brain, why can't you get it together? Like what the heck is wrong with you? You may not even realize it may not be a, like a conscious thought. It may be a little bit under the surface, a little bit of a subconscious thought, but what it does when you're asking yourself this type of question is it directs your brain to answer it. So when we ask ourselves questions, we direct our subconscious to answer those questions. And we put our focus and our attention to answering that question. So imagine, why can't you get it together? And what the heck is wrong with you? Your brain's now going to find, okay, well, this is wrong with you. And this is wrong with you. And it's going to come all come up with all the things that you've done wrong in your life and where you failed and where, where you haven't accomplished what you said you were going to accomplish. It's just a terrible use of energy to direct your brain to answering a question like that, right? Why do we want to answer that question? Not helpful not productive in any way. (laughs) And that is truly what happens. And so we need to be directing our subconscious to be working for us and not against us. So when I'm coaching clients, sometimes that's what we're going to, what, that, what we work on is just asking way better questions, right? So I'll give you some examples that I've come up with with clients before. A lot of times when, when women are like, I'm way too busy to be thinking about my eating plan. Like it's so complicated. I'm so overwhelmed. Then we just turn the question We want their subconscious to answer, how can I make my eating plan fun and simple, right? Like if we could approach weight loss and make it fun and simple, wouldn't that be so great? Wouldn't it be cool if weight loss was fun and simple? 
Another one, how can I enjoy food, right? So for those of you who are like, I'm just a foodie. Cool. Amazing. You're a foodie. How can you marry your values of being a foodie and uphold your value of health and wellness? How can the two of those coexist together? We're directing our brain away from thinking that those are mutually exclusive things. And if I'm on a diet, then I'm going to be deprived and I can't enjoy food. And so that's going to feel terrible. How can we do both? How is it possible for those two things to exist together? Another one, what's one thing I can do today to take care of myself, right? And sometimes at the beginning of our program, our program offers so much. It's literally like the buffet of caring for yourself. And we cover everything from your mindset to your habits, to medical, medical treatment, to like nutrition, all of it. And it can be overwhelming. Not going to lie at the beginning, it can be a little bit overwhelming for people because we just give so much. So a lot of times it's coaching clients to be like, you know what, let's break it all down. What's one thing you can do today. That's it. That's the goal just today. Not even thinking about, you know, long-term consistency and making this life change for the rest of your life. What's one thing I can do today to take care of myself. When you ask yourself questions like that, you start getting your brain to answer really great questions. So the questions can focus ourselves, our brain forward and finding solutions rather than dedicating our attention and our energy toward the problems in our lives. We all have problem areas. We all have areas where we have shortcomings, but focusing our energy and our attention on our problems keeps us in like navel gazing. And focusing on the solutions leads us on the path forward. So that's where we have to make the shift. How do we do that? Well, through self-compassion, forgiveness, showing grace to ourselves, that empowers us to continue moving towards our values. Remember, love compels. We've got this. Let's keep going. Let's, how can we move forward from here? That's what that sounds like. Judgment, shame, blame, guilt, all of that typically just furthers our negative experience, increases the demotivation, and then leads us away from our values. So I'm going to give you a few steps. The first, the first step is just start noticing your self-talk. And I talk about this. I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before. So hopefully you're familiar with this idea, but just be really curious because most of you have no idea that you're even beating yourself up. You know, your daily experience just doesn't feel all that great. And maybe it comes out when you talk to someone else, because that's where I pick it up, right? Like I pick it up in just the language that people use when they're describing themselves or when they're talking about their experience. So what's your relationship with yourself like? Your relationship with yourself is entirely based on the thoughts that you have about yourself. And for many of you, it's likely pretty mean. Many of us spend a lot of time beating ourselves up. That's where you can just start noticing and and just observing, okay, you know what? I'm noticing that this is my, this is what my brain's coming up with. And how can I ask myself more empowering questions, right? How how would I speak to my best friend? How would I speak to my loved one? That's kind of like basic steps towards self-compassion. And then part of that is just noticing what kinds of questions you're asking yourself. So that ties into number two, step two. So step one is be curious and notice your your self-talk. Step two is focusing forward. And I want you to think, am I more focused on my problems and defending my problems and rehashing my problems and telling everyone about all the problems in my life and why these problems are holding me back from really living the life that I want? If you are, I want to offer that there is a place that you can enter into where you start directing your focus and your attention on your solutions, on the solutions to those challenges. And that's where growth happens. The third point I want to make is to make a commitment to stop bullying yourself. And I said this on a recent coaching call with our clients. And I was like, listen, ladies, 
you just gotta, you gotta stop being a bully. Like you're just being mean to yourself. At some point we all just have to wake up and be like, I'm not, I'm going to take a stance and refuse to talk to myself like this anymore. I will not use this word to describe myself anymore. I'm not going to look in the mirror and pick myself apart anymore. We got to put a stop to that. And the last point I want to make, and if you're watching the YouTube, for some reason, my video camera just switched in the middle of this. So (laughs) I apologize for the video quality. The last point I want to make is I want you to think, am I enjoying my own wellness? If you're looking to lose weight and keep that weight off for the long term, you have to enjoy the process, right? If you're, I hear so many of you and, and the 100% goal for just about everyone is to lose weight for the last time, right? Like you don't want to just lose weight only to have to do it again next year. Right? No one wants that. We're not looking like it's not fun to lose weight, regain weight, lose weight, regain weight. But the problem is, is that so many of you do these things to lose weight that you hate, right? You hate the journey. You hate the process. You hate the eating plan. You hate the diet. You feel ashamed. You, you, it's the experience is punishment and deprivation. And that is just unrealistic to think that you're going to continue doing that for the long term. So my plea to you is live the life that you're happy living and that you enjoy living now and and bring your wellness into that. But you have to enjoy the process. There's just no chance you're going to stick with something that feels terrible for you, right? Ultimately your brain is going to rebel against that because it just feels so awful. So are you enjoying your own wellness? And if you're not, and if you need to learn to manage your weight in a loving way, because you're worth, you're worth loving and you know, you want to improve your health behaviors. And maybe you've got some overeating behaviors that you're just struggling to get a hold of. And you want to do that without shaming yourself. You need to reach out to us because that is what we love to help our women with is is overcoming those self-defeating behaviors that we engage in by managing our minds and optimizing the medical side of things and the nutrition and optimizing habits. But it all starts with how we're thinking about it and how we're approaching the journey. So you need to go on over to www.highmetabolicclinic.com, book yourself a discovery call with my team. I would love to support you. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, shame does not move us forward. It is not an effective weight loss strategy. We have to be moving towards love and self-compassion because love is what compels us in our own growth. Okay. I love being with all of you. Have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.